White Sox, White Sox, go, 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 go. Call your sons, call your daughters. Holy cow. You can't put it on the board. Yes. Yes. It's a perfect game. Right after, grand slam. A White Sox winner and a world championship. Jimenez, he's your hero tonight. Thanks, Cubs. The dynamic duo of Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill. Those two are like a tag team, you know. Come with me to Southside of Chicago. Hi, this is Jim Tomey, and the best White Sox talk is on Locked On Sox Podcast with Tanny and Herb. Hello, and welcome back to Locked On Sox. This is Herb Lawrence. With me is Chris Tannehill. It's a beautiful Wednesday evening, isn't it, Chris? Oh, as always in White Sox land where everything is embarrassing and demeaning and demoralizing and just utterly bleak, but... Today's episode of Locked on White Sox is brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off of your next order. So what we've got in store for you tonight uh, in this episode, Herb and I will talk about how the White Sox National Embarrassment Caravan just rolls on. Plus, there's beef in the Dominican Winter League. Oh my God. Mm. And also... Uh, what do free agents think when they see the White Sox sputtering out of control? Well, we have baseball's top free agent, a Cy Young, a Warren Witter, in his own words, uh, telling you how he would feel about the White Sox as a possible destination. So where do we start? Uh, the White Sox, as I mentioned, are a national embarrassment. The, their fan base is about as angry as I can remember, and I've been a Sox fan my whole life. Uh, I, I'm trying to remember feelings of... 1994, but I think that was uh, just pure sadness. Uh, it wasn't even anger. It was frustration, but just despair overall. And we're sort of coming back to that a little bit. But I want to start by just thanking a lot of you guys and gals who reached out after our episode the other night. By the way, the episode that we recorded after the news broke of Tony LaRusso's uh, DUI, it's it's soaring past all the episodes we did of actual accomplishments on the baseball field. Giolito's <laughs> no-hitter, uh, the the postseason clincher, like some of our favorite moments from the team this year. And and more people are checking for Tony LaRusso's DUI than these other things, and that's not uh, an indictment on our listeners, but it's just it shows how frustrated people are about what's going on, and there seems to be nothing that anyone uh, can do about it. But I want to thank you guys for reaching out, and who knew that coming out as Herb and I did and being opposed to DUIs and driving drunk, <laughs> who knew that that was such a controversial take, but there was actually people – that said, hey, he made one mistake. What are you going to do? You got you to gotta get out there and drive drunk after a meal. You just got to do it. Uh, but <laughs> I, I tried to engage with a lot of those people and be like, hey, look, this we feel this way because I have personal experience with it. And also, it's his second time after he said – uh, LaRusso I'm talking about after Tony LaRusso said that he wouldn't make the mistake again and he learned and he became a better person and then he goes out 13 years later and does the same thing that's ultimately what I have a problem with here and I think what Herb has a problem with as well but beyond just the drunk driving being just a horrendous thing to do and a shitty thing to do uh, with with fellow human beings trying to live in a, a civilized society um, but ultimately it's it's the hypocrisy and the privilege and and making the same mistake twice which is ultimately where the crux uh, here is for me so just thanks everyone for reaching out and and weighing in on this and we sort of enjoyed a, a moment of solidarity for the most part and people uh, venting their frustrations at us and sort of uh, taking part in group therapy while listening to the podcast so we're glad to be there for you um, but we we start off tonight Ken Rosenthal there, there are certain guys who are 
still uh, being true to their craft and being baseball writers, showing some integrity. Uh, mm-hmm. This Tony La Russa situation is all over the news. It was on ESPN First Take this morning with Stephen A., um, and Molly Karam, who was awesome talking about it, and Max Kellerman basically saying that Tony La Russa should be fired, and they did a great job recapping it. It was very sound and rational, and it wasn't too uh, morning show takey where they're just screaming and no one's listening to each other. It was, very, it was nuanced, and it was very insightful. Uh, but Ken Rosenthal also wrote in The Athletic yesterday, I believe, um, he's wondering why Major League Baseball doesn't step in here and do something, sort of what they did with the Mets and Carlos Beltran. He says the Mets fired Carlos Beltran for his role in the Astros sign-stealing scandal before he ever managed. Still, the appropriate move for the White Sox would be to place Tony La Russa on administrative leave until the case is resolved, and if La Russa is convicted, move on. Um, I thought that was outstanding to, to come from a baseball bigfoot as Ken Rosenthal. And then Jeff Passan weighs in, uh, and we'll, he has details about the actual uh, DUI and some of the things that Tony La Russa said, which we did not have the privilege to cover and mention in detail in the last episode. But just you know, as we sit with this couple days removed from the news, um, the anger certainly hasn't gone away with me. Where is it with you right now? Still at about the same level? It's at a higher level because I'm spreading the anger around. Firstly, of course, to Tony La Russa. Secondly, to Jerry Reinsdorf. Thirdly, to the front office staff. You guys have a responsibility to speak out. Yes, he's your boss and probably want to keep your job. But damn it, if you feel strongly, somebody's got to speak out about this and not just leak things. Actually, go on the record and let people know that you don't agree what's going on here. It's your reputation on the line, too, because, yeah, I know this is a Jerry move, but you're sticking around. You're doing the job that you're doing still after you know Jerry's doing this. You get some of this ire, too. So, yeah, much more for the the top two. I'll give some for Rick and Kenny, too. So, um, yeah, it's still up there. It's still really, really up there. I'm not going to come down because their refusal to talk is making me matter every day. So there is some news on that front. James Fegan tweeting earlier this evening, quote, the White Sox is at J.R. Fegan, uh, writes for The Athletic on the White Sox, does a tremendous job. James says, the White Sox are not expected to formally comment on manager Tony La Russa's DUI arrest and charges until the legal case is resolved. To that end, there is not a known timeline. The Maricopa County Court System website lists a pretrial conference scheduled for December 8th. Uh, Follow-up, he says, Sox are quite aware of the fan response and questions, I should add, but they feel obligated to wait for the legal process to resolve. So what you're looking at here is a situation where free agency is starting to churn a little bit. You know, you have some offers on the table for for guys, and maybe they're they're contemplating around the Thanksgiving holiday, and the White Sox are going to sit there and not make a decision until, at a minimum, December 8th. That doesn't sit well with me. I feel like they could make a decision right now if they wanted to. Yes? Yes. There's Yeah, there's nothing that's in this that makes them either yay or nay. Like, uh, there's nothing holding them back. This is, I mean, <laughs> I don't want to get political, but this isn't an audit of your taxes. And you can't, you know, give people taxes until the audit's done. This is a decision of morality. If you want a person to have a second DUI managing your team, cool. He'll make remember he's gonna make the decisions. 
And it seems like his decision-making, not that great. So it's your choice. Come out and say, hey, we knew about it. We don't condone those actions, but we've gone through things with Tony. He's gone through these treatments. We feel that Tony, Tony is no longer a guy that has makes poor decisions. He's gone through, this has been in February, blah, blah, blah. Even though I don't like the statement, at least it's a statement to back your guy. This no statement means you are condoning drunk driving, means you are going to keep Tony on your team. A team like the Mets last year, once they found out about Carlos Beltran's role in that, they knew they couldn't keep him. Even if they wanted to, they couldn't keep him as manager. And they swiftly fired him, and they moved on. And I don't understand the White Sox stance here. What, Like, how do they think this is getting better? Like, how do they think, like, even if they do speak at the earliest, what's that, December 11th? At the earliest, there's going to be a month of anger from your fans. A month just them stewing in anger. And, and we know they're not going to sign any free agents to, to quell that. So a month of stewing. And then they're going to say something very unsatisfying. Like, oh, yeah, we want the stuff, the stuff they should have said the other day. The stuff they should have said when the press conference happened. All that shit. So, yeah, they're going to say something very unsatisfying. It's like you had a month plus to think about that garbage answer. Get out of here. Two things to that. You know, you, you talk about a month. I've seen people on, on, on Reddit and social media with screenshots of them talking to their White Sox ticket agent saying, I'm, I'm going to withdraw my plan. You know, I, I don't, I'm not a, a lifelong season ticket holder, but, you know, I have a small season ticket plan, and I'm just going to pull out of that because I, I don't approve of what you guys are doing. I've seen people reach out to corporate sponsors and say, you know, uh, you know we don't believe in someone who's enabled to, to drunk drive and, and be in a position of power in your organization. You know, that this, this impacts me. Uh, morally and I don't believe in this and so I want you you know sponsor a to know about that this is going on with the organization that you're affiliated with and I don't approve of it and I'm gonna you know make my presence known with with my money and take it elsewhere um, and you also have the element where 24 hours from now you're gonna be listening to us talk about the the award season and you're gonna we're gonna talk about Luis Robert and how there are people that thought he wasn't the top one or two player in the American League as rookies go we're gonna talk about uh, the Cy Young race and where Lucas Giolito and Dallas Keuchel placed in that we're gonna talk about Rick Renteria and the manager of the year award and we're gonna be talking about most likely Jose Abreu taking home the first White Sox American League Most Valuable Player Award since Frank Thomas took one home in 1994, and that's going to be a historic night. Something you know over you know 26 years in the making, and still no public comment from the White Sox by this time tomorrow night. So Jose Abreu is going to be out there. Maybe he'll be there on MLB Network with 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 Billy Russo, uh, translating for him. Um, possibly he'll be on a Zoom call after with Billy Russo translating uh, and talking to the White Sox local media, and he's going to be put in a position where he's going to have to answer questions about Tony La Russa. And that's not fair, man. Like, Jose Abreu has, has been the best soldier you can have for this organization. He he came over here. I, we talked about Jose in great detail before and how much I'm a fan of him. And coming over and, and, and being smuggled into, I think it was Haiti, 
uh, from Cuba back before the embargo when, when, when you had to sneak yourself out of, out of a country and you were a refugee and then come flying over from Haiti and, and eating the, the fake passport before he got to Miami uh, to enter the United States. And then he, he, he is the rookie of the year in 2014 and he plays for some really shitty teams and you have to wonder, you know, he can't see his own son for the first couple of years he was playing in, in the major leagues and he's playing for bad teams and he's got all this 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 drama inside the organization, and he's and he's probably wondering, you know, he's paying money to smugglers still after the fact, getting taxed, and he's probably wondering what what it was all for. And he he responds and he waits it out, and he could have played anywhere else this off season, but he chose to resign with the White Sox. He was his own agent. He said, I don't care what the dollar amount is, I'm gonna resign. And a lot of people weren't in favor of that move at the time, but I, I thought, you know, what's the point? They're not exactly in their championship window. It's great. I'd love to have him on board. And he responds, and he's probably going to be the American League MVP, and he's going to be forced to be put in an uncomfortable situation that, frankly, he does not deserve. And I don't think it's fair. They put him in that position. So I hope by this time tomorrow someone comes out and, and, and you see a statement on paper from the White Sox so Jose is not put in this spot. I mean, it just it would be really unfortunate to see that happen with Jose tomorrow night. Very much so. Um, but journalists got to do their jobs. And when you tell the public that you're not going to speak about this until 2000 or until to December of 11th of this year, a whole month away, you're going to put the onus on the players who win these awards. Like the other day, Tim Anderson went to Silver Slugger Award. And the news out of that is his attitude and how he thinks that Tony LaRusse is going to manage him and he's not going to change his game. And I didn't hear the Eloy one extensively, but I would uh, think that he got asked a couple of those questions. And, yeah, Abreu through a translator and maybe the, the the White Sox and their PR staff, which I don't mind, and Ray, Billy Russo, the other guys at the PR staff, Scott Reifert, they're – just doing their jobs, literally their jobs to stay the fuck out of the way and not be part of the story. <laughs> so they're going to be probably at the beginning of that press conference saying, guys, I know you have to ask, but this is Jose's night. Let's give him a chance to answer questions only about the baseball team, nothing about Tony Russa and what's going on with the saga. I understand kind of thing that type of statement to the media and for the most part that media will respect that the beat writers will at least uh, and then there might be a rogue guy in there because that's going to be a hotly uh, a lot of people will be in that uh, zoom chat not just the regular beat writers in the Chicago national people, media too national yep. people. yeah so there will be people like you know what this needs to be asked maybe it won't be the first second third question but it will be asked before Jose leaves that zoom call if it's not uh, this is not the certain uh, type of people in there. I mean, I think guaranteed, even if they do that caveat, somebody's still going to ask him because they need to. They need to know his opinion on it since no one else is speaking on it. So, yeah, you're putting your guy in a horrible position to answer for another grown-ass man, two other grown-ass men, and he doesn't know one of them at all. So I feel sorry for him because I think, you know, I've – Famously said that DJ LeMay, they're going to steal it away from DJ. They're going to steal the election <laughs> from Jose Abreu and give it to DJ LeMayhew. And so I hope I'm 100% wrong. It looks like the odds are going to be that I'm going to be wrong on that. And Jose's going to take home the MVP. And it should be his night. It should be a coronation. It should be a validation. 
should be a great achievement for a man that you've gone through the story about him coming from Cuba and how long he had to do that stuff and to reach the pinnacle of his profession as the best player in his league. Nothing better. Nothing better at all. And uh, there's really nothing better than uh, these quotes from Tony La Russa that was in this Jeff Passan article yesterday. If you haven't seen the quotes or heard what uh, Tony La Russa said, by the way, I, I really hope this dash cam or body cam video gets posted and published because we'll have so much fun with the sound and we certainly nice and clean oh nice and clean hopefully you, you know technology's gotten better over the years you know it, it was still pretty good in 07 after his last dui where we got the mangled alphabet but uh, to get these quotes in audio form and video accompaniment would be just a, a wet dream for me as a, as a sound content producer and yourself too uh, but here's what jeff Passon said in his piece yesterday uh, the officer said there was an odor of alcohol emanating from Larusa. When that officer discussed administrating a portable breath test, Larusa said, "Quote, I don't trust it." According to the report, Larusa then asked, "What makes you think I don't have control of my facilities?" He agreed to take the breath test. "Quote, if facilities? It get- <laughs> he said facilities. Yeah, I don't have control. He said facilities. <laughs> I don't oh have. God. I don't have control of my facilities." <laughs> oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> he agreed to take the breath test. "Quote, if it gets me out of here," according to the report, the test registered a blood alcohol content of point zero nine zero. The officer placed Larusa under arrest for DUI. When read his Miranda rights, Larusa said, "Quote." I don't know my rights because you told me once I blow into that thing and we'd be done. According to the report, I've heard that one before. Um, the officer asked if Larusa had any drinks, and he replied that he had one glass of wine at dinner. The report said, and here it is. Here's the money quote. Before the arresting officer placed him in a vehicle, Larusa said, "Quote, do you see my ring?" When asked what he meant, Larusa answered, "I'm a Hall of Famer baseball person." He continued, "I'm legit. I'm a Hall of Famer, brother. You're trying to embarrass me." So there it is. There, there's Tony in his words, according to Jeff Passon's report, and just you know, just disgusting behavior. You hate a guy who plays the "Don't you know who I am?" card. I mean, I love it for the sake of the I'm a Hall of Famer baseball person. You've seen that all over social media uh, for the past 24 hours. It's a, it's it's really a punchline. And if it wasn't so goddamn funny, it would hurt so badly because it was the White Sox affiliated with all this. But it's just it's just abhorrent behavior by someone who's going to be. Uh, managing your team in 2021. Yeah. Um, I just like, I, I know they didn't have necessarily probably that part of the DUI, but imagine hearing about that and then saying, yep. Eh, yeah. Eh, that's, that's minor. Let's, let's hire that guy. He was point hmm, nine, 0.09. That's barely over the legal limit. Hmm. And he only he admitted he only drank one glass of wine at work. Let's yeah. hire him tomorrow. Yeah. The typical uh, should we should we tell that should we tell the media that he got DUI? No, they're never gonna find out. Yeah, I'm the, just gonna hide it. That's and when the, they do. We don't give a fuck. That's the default response when someone gets pulled over. Always like you don't want to lie and say you haven't been drinking. So it's always like oh just a couple beers or just oh one glass of wine. You know what I mean? And then, of course, like people like trying to be your Twitter lawyers saying, oh, well, uh, and also Bob Nightingale saying, oh, this is the equivalent of one glass of wine or blah, blah, blah. But remember, folks, you know, by the time you get out of that restaurant and by the time he's, he's you know, reportedly swerving in and out of traffic and then he gets his car on the curb after busting out his tire, it could have hit someone. And he's waiting there for a while to the officer and waiting for, you know, for his Miranda rights and all that, like the the, the blood alcohol content. 
goes down, you know, after you far the further you're mm-hmm. removed from drinking, obviously. So he's got time there, and by the time they go through this whole, you know, uh, rigmarole about you know, you know, blowing through the breathalyzer and that back and forth, and you know, the the, the numbers aren't going to be that true, but you're starting to see people saying, "Oh, it wasn't that bad? Just just some wine? What? You never had wine with, with dinner and drove home? Like, come on, we're not stupid here, folks. You know, drunk driving fatalities have gone down over the last twenty years, and it's it's not because of luck. It's not because people have gotten to be better drunk drivers. You know, it's because it's it's not a societal norm anymore, and rightfully so. So it's just, and also on top of it, it just it goes back to the whole like like what you said there, the old boys club, with you know it's it's an old way of thinking to to think that this type of behavior is okay, and just to get back to your point, they looked at this and say, you know what, yeah, that's 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 okay, well, that's still our guy, you know, it's just it's it's inexcusable, and again, I'll, I'll reiterate, it's not too late for them to do the right thing, and when we talk about the White Sox organization, we're talking about one guy, of course, Jerry Reinsdorf. And there's so many great people in that organization who we know personally, who we know there's no way stand by this. I haven't talked to any of them individually, so I can't quote anyone. Um, but just knowing what type of stand-up people these people are from working with them on a daily basis, the media relations people and, and everyone, like they, there's no way they can stand for this. And it sucks and it hurts to see that organization going through this because there are good people over there and sometimes when when your boss wants what your boss wants and 2020 is the year of the billionaire as you know people are losing their jobs but you know the the wealth gap is growing significantly larger you know what can you do when the billionaire wants uh, something the billionaire is going to get it if your people are are out there and yes i said i get uh, some anger towards um kenny and rick but them People I've named earlier, Scott Ryford, uh, Ray, Billy Russo, they've been working with this team for a while, and they've been going through these bad times, and they understand who Jerry Reinsdorf is. He's loyal, but also he's himself. So once they get to this 2020 season, they finally see the light again. They're like, okay, here we go. This is what we strive for. This is what we went through those tough years for. They are also fans of the team. They want the team to do well because they do well. The the team does well. They do well. Uh, you know, a guy like Brooks Boyer, who does the marketing for the White Sox, Christine O'Reilly, just these longtime veteran people are probably having to have their mouth shut and muzzled by these shitty moves. Maybe some of them agreed with bringing Tony Lewis back, but then you hear the rest of the stuff and then they're like, "Ugh, we're an embarrassment again. Goodness gracious. It's not worth it. The juice is not worth the squeeze. We've been here forever. And now we get to the good point and we can't feel good about it because our owner's fucking everything up. These people are going through things too. And now they can't talk. The friends are talking to them about it. Like, Hey, you work with the white Sox, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, they're going to get this talk until the White Sox do. So, you know, feel for them, too. Those people who are, you know, not up in upper management, not the owner, they have to deal with this shit every day. So, luckily, not them. They're good people. So, when you hit your knees, say a prayer <laughs> for the White Sox staff. So, you know, to that point, we talk about Jerry Reinsdorf being incredibly loyal to his people. I read somewhere online today that all it's going to take is if someone in that organization has had a direct impact on their life due to drunk driving, you know, if they lost someone or someone was hurt or, 
you know, they knew someone who, you know, was on the on the other side of it where they injured someone, you know, if it impacted their life significantly, that may be the only thing that stops this thing. And I don't even think it's to that point yet, because I think if they were going to stop it, I think it would be stopped. Just real quick here before we move on. Um, so what? how do you think this plays out? Do you think Tony LaRusse is going to be the manager opening day 2021? I think there's going to be way too much fire. There's going to be way too much uh, scrutiny on the ball club. And no, I think by eventually, before they even talk about spring training, Tony Russo will already be fired by the White Sox, fired and or resigned. Okay. I, I My gut says that the only way this can possibly end, because I don't think there's any convincing uh, Jerry at this point, but I, I do wonder if they're waiting for the process to play out, if they're waiting for that guilty conviction to say, you know what, that's it. And, you know, I, I'd be okay with that, but then you're, you're waiting an entire month. Um, but, again, with this offseason, I don't think things are going to accelerate very quickly as they have in the past few offseasons. So I, I think they have that going for them. But my gut says the only way this could possibly end is if, if the old stubborn guy, Tony La Russa, says, you know what, this is not worth it for me. All the public scrutiny, uh, to, you know, I used to get away with this stuff back in the day when I was winning titles in St. Louis and in a culture that was w- much more welcoming. Um, it's not worth it for me to be a manager in, in 2021. I, I don't want to have to deal with this shit. I'm a Hall of Famer. I've got my rings. I don't need this organization. I don't need you, Jerry. We'll still be friends, but I don't need any of this. And I'm just going to ride off into the sunset to, or drive off into the sunset onto a, onto a curb. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that's the only way this could possibly end because Jerry's stubborn probably, and he, he doesn't want to back down from this. So I think, I think they're going to try to push him to resign. Or maybe, you know, take on an advisor role and he could still get his ring and he could still be friends with Jerry and talk every day, but he doesn't have to manage this team in 2021. So I hope that we're both right on that account. We're certainly wrong a whole hell of a lot, but I hope we're, mm-hmm. we're right in this scenario. So um, now imagine getting booed on opening day. With your with, manager, yeah. If Lori Lightfoot ever lets fans step in the building again, you know you have thirty people booing. <laughs> thirty people there, and they're all booing. <laughs> so it's just crisp. It comes over the air. Ex- exactly. Yeah. They, they try to like wash over it with the uh, with the computerized crowd noise from MLB the Show. <laughs> you, you, you hear the murmur of, ah, but then you hear one guy, boo. <laughs> you suck. Uh, yeah, that would that would be incredibly bad. I hope it doesn't get to that point. But again, they don't imagine it. Just the even if you think Tony La Russa is the greatest manager of all time, um, is it worth the optics of him possibly spending a night in jail as as your manager? If they wait for spring training or whenever it is, like I'm sure with these situations, like yeah, come on, serve your time whenever it's you know whenever it's easiest for you. But there's going to be cameras and reporters, and it's going to be a horrendous look for an organization who's on the on the uptick. You know, I don't I don't think it's worth it for them just to have that optic alone. That has to be in the back of their mind, like you know what, we can't have it get to that point, man. Like this organization's been through enough the past you know 12 years. We can't have that be a part of it too. So. I, I hope they come to their senses in that regard, but uh, I, I have my doubts as well as many people who I've spoken to today. But we're just kind of playing the waiting game, but they, they said they won't make a comment until at least um, December 8th, so there you have it. All right, uh, moving on here. Um, today, well, there's actually uh, there's there's some news here. We, we, we talked about the other night, we talked about how if we felt that the Tony LaRusso situation would impact free agents wanting to come to Chicago. And that was answered pretty swiftly 
the next morning by Marcus Stroman, who has since accepted his qualifying offer to return to the Mets. And I'm sure we'll be talking a lot about the Mets this offseason because it seems like a, a place where people want to work with ownership who is actively engaged with its fan base uh, in a positive manner. But uh, Marcus Stroman had a little exchange on Twitter with Keith Law after the Jeff Passan article came out. This was yesterday morning. Uh, Marcus Stroman tweets at Keith Law, uh, SMH, shaking my head with the, uh, with the shaking my head, fist palm uh, emoji. And Keith Law responds as if this wasn't just a bad hire on baseball terms. Uh, Marcus Stroman replies, baffling on all measures. And then uh, random Twitter user uh, asked Marcus Stroman, how much money would it take for you to play for an old and seemingly racist alcoholic now again you you know how i feel about just you know branding someone with the scarlet letter uh, r and branding them a racist you know I, I think that's very dangerous territory but alcoholic yeah that that's that's another one too but marcus stroman says this no amount of money honestly peace of mind is always priority now Ooh. knowing what we know now you know, it's very easy for Marcus Stroman to be in that position. I don't doubt his sincerity. Uh, you know, Tony La Russa is the only uh, moral arbitrator of sincerity. But it, it, he knew at that point he was going to accept that qualifying offer, so it was easy for him to speak freely about it. Would he have spoken differently if he knew he was going to be a potential potential free agent? I don't know. I don't think so. I think he would have been honest regardless. But it, it would, the feeling in my stomach after seeing uh, that those quotes from Marcus Stroman, it was just – it was just an awful feeling and a feeling of things uh, to come, I think, in the future for the White Sox. What did you think when you saw that? Yeah, I felt the same way. I understand what Mark is coming from. And I'm thinking that other um, Major League Baseball players who are free agents would feel the same. Mark Stroman, of course, is of- uh, Puerto Rican, I think, and black descent. His dad so, is yoked. You ever seen pictures of Marcus Stroman's dad? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I say you, we should have sent Marcus Stroman's pops in there with Tony LaRusso and have him uh, kindly ask him to resign. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, he is. Uh, but, yeah, I would, you know, I'm not a fan of what Tony LaRusso did with the two uh, separate four years apart talkings of how he felt about Colin Kaepernick and his protest. So I think most feel that it's rooted in some type of racism where you're on purpose missing the point and making it about the troops or the flag or the United States and not listening on purpose. And so, yeah, a person like Marcus Stroman, who's all about expression, all about having fun and Tony is famously of the baseball police and thinking people can't oh, be baseball police. On th- That's the sound of the police. Yes. Baseball police. He is, he is the commissioner of the baseball police. Friends. The teacher is always in, in session. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah. And so I would think that he would not want to play for a guy that doesn't want to have Fernando Tatis hit 3-0 fastballs down the middle and hit grand slams. So, yeah, I was not uh, surprised that he would come out and say that. You know, Trevor said different things, and I will get to those, but I don't think this is going to be positive in any way for free agents. It might just be neutral on some of these free agents, but there's no, like, man, I get to play for Hall of Famer Tony Russo going on. Like, do you hear any of that? <laughs> Anybody like, man, Tony Russo Hall of Famer? Let's go. Yeah. So, like, they were for Joe Madden. Joe Madden, like, man, we get to play for Joe Madden. Awesome. I want to come there. 
So I'm trying to think who might be the oldest player on the White Sox. Would it be would it be Abreu or Keuchel? Anyway, Dallas Keuchel won the Cy Young in 2015, and like the Tony Larusa had been tired for been retired for four years already at that point. Mm-hmm. So even like your oldest guy on the team, and you know maybe from a pitching standpoint, it's different. Maybe guys see Tony Larusa as as a a net positive just in terms of everyone looks at how can this guy help me individually. So maybe a little bit different, but yeah, there's there's no one on this team, especially with all the the Latin infused talent on this team. Like no one has any association with Tony Larusa. You know what I mean? So they just I think they just rather not deal with it um but there are other free agents out there who the white Sox should be interested in you know and by the way just you know congratulations to mets fans it looks like you have uh, some interesting ownership and and someone that's uh, willing to commit in steve cohen to financial success uh, to your team and knowing that that's a big part of it and marcus stroman you know deciding to commit to that it's a big deal so i don't know many mets fans except our you know our, our friend katie uh b max wife you know finally maybe they can uh you know, uh, have to, uh, you know, stop enduring all this suffering, uh, you know, but uh, it's going to suck when the Sox are the only team suffering. <laughs> I will say that. The, the Mets get their shit together and the White Sox are still yeah. shitty after all this time. Yeah. yeah. And this episode of Locked on White Sox is brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. And somehow the new and improved Built Bar is even delicious-er. They've got 18 amazing flavors, including six brand new flavors, caramel brownie cookies and cream, lemon almond cheesecake, cherry barcia, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. And of course, for all you Built Bar lifers out there that have been with us since day one, you know about the great flavors. My favorite, the German chocolate, but they've also got peanut butter, banana bread, milk brownie, salted caramel, so many others. Built Bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft delicious and easy to chew i've had a lot of other protein bars out there built bar by far my favorite they are healthy they're great if you're a health conscious guy or girl on the go and they're perfect for if you're trying to lose or maintain weight while still indulging in a delicious treat and let's face it with everything going on in the world today a lot of people are stress eating so if you're going to do that and you want something sweet built bars are perfect for that just keep them in your desk drawer at work or at home in your at home workspace Keep it all right there for you so you always have a built Bar at the ready. And now you can get a free cooler with your purchase while supplies last. So all you have to do is go to BuiltBar.com and use our promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off of your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. And now back to the show. All right, so Trevor Bauer today, he won the National League Cy Young Award. Congratulations to him. And he's a very... Uh, outspoken guy he's got his own podcast he's famously said that he would go to whatever free agent city helps get his youtube channel to 1 million subscribers i think he's at like 125,000 now so if you're listening to this and you love trevor bauer and you love this podcast you know make sure you tell trevor how much we adore him and would like him to be in, in the sock starting rotation and we can help get him to a million youtube uh, subscribers but uh, so trevor bauer spoke on his podcast about the tony larusa situation and he He's a thoughtful dude, and he spoke very measuredly about it for about 20 minutes, talking about he didn't commit to a lot of definites from his perspective because he's a man who enjoys money, and he's at the peak of his powers, and he realizes that he's going to have 
the choice of whatever team he wants to go to, and he's going to have a big fat payday ahead of him. So he's very diplomatic in his approach, but he did have a lot of good thoughts about what players may be thinking when they see a guy like Larusa come in, not just from the DUI perspective, but in terms of the analytical perspective and what it's like for a young team to, to change a manager and when they're only used to one manager. Just a lot of stuff that people don't talk about in this initial discussion about LaRusso becoming the manager. It's definitely worth a watch. It's about 20 minutes long if you just uh, search Trevor Bauer on YouTube and, of course, subscribe to the, to the Lads channel. Um, but here's what he did say about how his decision uh, relates to the White Sox and Tim Anderson and sort of uh, what baseball has turned into in, in terms of marketing and how that relates to the, the impact on his decision and where he's going to go in 2021. Hasn't hit a home run yet, and he struggled against off-speed, oh. and pitchers have kind of figured that out. Drives this one to oh, deep right field, it. and that ball is gone. A home run. <laughs> Nomar Mazzara oh. hits his first in a White uh. Sox uniform, and it's one to nothing, Chicago. I'm, I'm sorry. I've got so many files here. That was actually Nomar Mazzara's lone home run of 2020 off of Trevor Bauer. Uh, my apologies. Also tones of my guy, Don Diego, Don Arcillo, and A.J. Brzezinski. I would take A.J. over Tony LaRusso's manager right now today. Uh, but but I'm just we're just jashing with you. Uh, a lot of people were celebrating Nomar Mazzara today, going deep off the Cy Young Award winner. But all seriousness, here's what Trevor Bauer said about the current state of the White Sox and how it would impact his decision as a free agent. So Tim is one of the examples of the future of an MLB star, someone who can take into account branding and media and uh, interaction with fans while still playing at an all-star level on the field. How is that going to fit with Tony La Russa, who hasn't been in the game in that capacity in, in a good bit of time and who the vast majority of his managerial career took place in a much different landscape of the game? Is he going to use analytics in a way that can help the people who are analytically minded, the players who are who think that way, move them forward? Is he going to be able to develop players in that realm? And is that even what the White Sox are trying to do? Do they want to go in that direction or not? I don't know. I'm not part of the White Sox, and you know, perhaps I will be at some point later this offseason. Perhaps I won't. But these are all questions that you have to start thinking about when it comes to attracting free agents. These are all questions that I'll be asking teams. These are things that are going to have to be answered when they're trying to attract free agents. So... You know, not encouraging, not discouraging. It just, you know, mm -hmm. it, it didn't uh, hurt to just to hear him say, yeah, perhaps I could be on the White Sox. That kind of got uh, got the blood pumping a little bit just thinking about it. But what's discouraging in that is, you know, you talk about the analytical factor. And Tony says he's, he's, he's not against analytics. And I, I believe that. I believe that that's a guy, as Paul Konerko said, he wakes up in the morning and tries to figure out how to win a baseball game that day. Or night. So I believe that he would take information given to him seriously and, and factor that into his decision making. And he's one of the all time greats as far as uh, the people aspect of the game and learning what a guy can give you on that given night or what he can't give you. Um, There's a great quote attributed to, to Greg Maddox that I heard. Uh, Matt Spiegel was talking to Ryan Dempster the other day on Inside the Clubhouse on the score. And Greg Maddox once said, you lie for managers, not to them. So I, that was just a real quick thing that I, I enjoyed, you know, in terms of like you can lie for your manager in a postgame press conference to, to cover his ass, but mm -hmm. never lie to your manager in terms of if you're hurt or, you know, if you're just not feeling it that day or if you want out of a ball game. Like always tell your manager the truth. Um, and I guess that's important in terms of a trust factor. And if you feel like Tony LaRusso is someone that, that you can trust if you're a player on this White Sox team. But. Um, it's it's disturbing when you talk about the analytics because 
as it stands right now, the White Sox don't have a, a coaching staff. They haven't hired their pitching coach yet, and you have to believe with all this PR spin that they're having to do that this has had a direct impact on their 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 pitching coach search. And the Tigers already snatched up Michigan's pitching coach, a guy that was high on the Sox list. And there's rumors that we talked about Ethan Katz the other day, Lucas Giolito's former coach at, at Harvard Westlake. Um, but it's not good when the guys that you're supposed to have to implement the analytics aren't on your staff right now. Like you can't have you literally can't have a meeting with Trevor Bauer tomorrow if you wanted to. You would not be in a position where you'd be, you'd look good in that meeting and and Trevor Bauer would have to to look elsewhere. Now I think like I said because of the slow moving off season and the financial, you know, politics in in play here with COVID, I don't think you'll see many guys sign early on in the process unless it's qualifying offers. So you have that going for you, you have time, but if you had to talk to Trevor Bauer tomorrow, you would be ill prepared to do so. Yeah, and I can think that that guy who was the Michigan uh, coach would have probably taken any job where he could have been close to A.J. Hinch. Or, like, if the White Sox uh, manager thing was a little bit more settled, he would have maybe thought about the White Sox job. And we don't have a pitching coach right now. Even the guy who's uh, Lucas Giolito's uh, high school coach is like, eh, maybe I don't want to be there right now. So I, you could say that this whole thing, like, it shook up the baseball world, firstly, with how shocking it was. And to get free agents, to get assistance underneath Tony, it's going to be a hard thing to do because, firstly, they don't know if he's long for this. And you don't want to take a job, especially as a pitching coach or hitting coach, with a guy that you don't know if he's going to last two, three years. You don't know if he's going to last five years because you're moving your family from wherever they are right now to this location in Chicago. And after two years, Tony could hang it up, and the new guy's like, eh, don't like this guy on my staff, and you're out of a job. So that definitely goes something into it. And On the flip side, though, there could be room for growth. You could be like, you know what? I could be the next man up if if they like me. You know what I mean? So like, yeah. there, there is positives to that, and I think maybe there's a situation here where the Sox are saying, look, we have to wait for due process. It's only fair. We think it's going to fall this way. So in the event that it does – we're going to have this offer to you, a handshake agreement, if you just give us some time. I, I think maybe that's a logical situation. But like you said, there's so many things being held up here by this one bad decision. Yeah, and so I don't like it in many facets. And these things don't – like I don't know what one positive thing that came to the White Sox because of this hiring. Not one. And you have a whole offseason of just bad PR – you're not going to have your fan fest this year. So no way to drum up like excitement except for things like free agent signings. And, you know, if they're not coming, if they're not willing to come, it's going to be hard to sign people. Um, so I don't know where Jerry expects this to go as far as if we get a vaccine and we're clear for takeoff and everybody's good to go in a 10 games. And with all these people writing ticket offices, Lawrence, our guy, Lawrence Holmes, wanting to not have renewed season tickets this year, he was going to spend a lot of money on these tickets. He's not going to do it. That's it. That, I mean, by so by the way, yeah, like that. if you guys don't know Lawrence, like one of the best Sox fans I know, one of the most successful people I know, you know, he can, he, he's got four seats 
great seats that we often share. So it hurts me when he says he's not going to re-up because we love sharing those seats and, and sitting up there with them or alternating. And sometimes I'll take my family to his seat. So that sucks just on a personal level. But also, you know, the White Sox take care of him a lot on a personal level. You know what I mean? Like he's got a good relationship with the White Sox. And, you know, he feels so strongly about this that he's willing to pull his money away. And he's sort of like the White Sox liaison for the station, like in terms of when people like when Rick Hahn's coming on the station, he's going with Lawrence because they trust Lawrence because Lawrence, you know, he, 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 he does things the right way and he does his homework. Not saying other guys don't, but Lawrence has built this foundation over an entire career. And now he's like, you know what? I, I think I'm going to be out on this. So that that's really saying something. Yeah. So like. Where is the, except for in Jerry's head, where is the positive coming out of this? There isn't one. That's why I think he'll be gone before regular season starts or the even training camp starts, spring training starts. So, because they're going to find out like, okay, ticket sales are down huge. We didn't get these free agents that we wanted. We have a good team coming back next year, but projections are very low for, our, our gate for a team that should be battling for first place. You know, maybe after June, July, everybody will forget about this. Tony Russo will be successful manager. White Sox hitting all cylinders. But this offseason is not going right. You've had nothing but negative stories since the season has ended. I, I just don't understand. It doesn't make sense to a logical person. That's what's hard to wrap my mind around. If it's just self-sabotaged or Jerry just can't stand having good success. Yeah, man, that, that's that's funny you say that because that that did, that thought did enter my mind. The self-sabotage thing. This is a team that's not had many chances at being really good in my lifetime. And, he, and Jerry, of course, being a, at the forefront of the player strike in '94 when the Sox had quite possibly the best team on paper that I'd ever seen. And then you self-sabotage it and be part of the strike. And then you have to wait 11 years for your World Series title. And then you 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 tear it down to the studs and rebuild. And you wait through those those long, hard years of a rebuild where the attendance drops. And, and, and on-the-field play is horrendous. And fans lose faith. And your older fans don't really get it. And those, you lose those people. But you know maybe you gain some of the younger ones because they understand the plan. But you lose fans and you're a national embarrassment. You're not on national TV hardly ever until this year. And all of a sudden now you just you want to destroy all that positive equity you've built up with with everyone, with your fan base, with 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 baseball fans, with with the the media and all of it that goes into it. It just self sabotages the same thing that I said to myself earlier. So that's that's a great point by you. So we'll you know it just uh it, it helps to talk about it because it's it's maddening and and it's still not too late for for the White Sox to do the right thing. That's that's my only point here. And we'll we'll keep you updated. And no no time for the Dominican Winter League beef tonight. We'll get to that uh, in tomorrow night's episode, as as we hopefully will be celebrating Jose Abreu's MVP award. And we'll hear his comments that that he says to the media if if he speaks to the media, and if there's anything worthwhile, we'll play them. And even if it's not Larusa related, we deserve to hear from Jose and, and him talk about the season in his own words. Hopefully, uh, if if our instincts are right and he's taking home that MVP award. 
for the first time by a White Sox player since the big hurt, man. That, that's pretty good company right there. So that's all I got tonight. And uh, what do you? That's, that, that's it for you, Herb, right? Do you, well, how can they get a hold of us for the mailbag? They're already starting to trickle in uh, after this week has started. Uh, so how can they get a hold of us for the Lockdown White Sox mailbag, which uh, occurs on Monday, but uh, in this offseason we've been doing it twice a week. How can they get a hold of us? LockedOnSox at gmail.com. Email us at LockedOnSox at gmail.com. Send your questions, your comments, whatever you want to talk about. We read them all. Not all of them make the show. So LockedOnSox at gmail.com is the way you reach us. If you want to follow the show, it's at LockedOnSox, both on Instagram and Twitter. The hosts are me, Herb Lawrence, ActonWall23, and Chris Tannehill at Chris Tannehill. So thank you for listening to this episode. I hope things will get better the next time we talk. We're talking about a Jose Abreu MVP here on Locked on Socks.